You know, with much of the country in a deep freeze this week, seems like a perfect time to turn our attention and start thinking about baseball and softball. And this week, our special guest will help us preview it all. Oh, and by the way, she's a goat. That's greatest of all time, for in case you didn't know. That's what we've got on tap for you here on this episode of the TreeCast with Troy Clarity, presented by the Believe Podcast Network. Thursday, February 18th, 2021. Thank you for joining us on the show. Hope you've had a great week so far. Hope you are staying healthy, doing what you need to do to make sure we get behind this COVID-19 thing. And if applicable, staying warm this week, being kind to everyone that you meet. I'm Troy Clarity. Thank you so much for being here with us. Fired up to do what we do best, bring you inside Stanford sports better than anybody in the podcast space. And our special guest this week has done plenty of things better than just about anybody else, especially on the softball field. And now she's become a bit of a trailblazer over the past few years, mostly with her broadcasting career. You see her on ESPN, my former Pac-12 network colleague as well, one of the all-time greats, not just at Stanford, but ever to do it in softball, Jessica Mendoza is our special guest on this week's program. Looking forward to covering all sorts of things, getting her thoughts on Stanford softball as, as the Cardinal fire things up later on this week. Looking forward to that. Major League Baseball pitchers and catchers report this week. That's always a, that's always a neat little uh, a thing to hear, especially this time of year. And also, her look back at some of her big moments on the farm. So Jessica Mendoza is our special guest on this week's episode of the TreeCast. Plus, in a couple of minutes, we'll give you three things you need to know around Stanford Athletics. If you're not familiar with me, I'm Troy Clarity. 28 seasons of following Stanford sports, Pac-12 Network play-by-play -play announcer in my seventh year with them, and also doing play-by-play -play for uh, Stanford University as well. Busy weekend for me. Coming up Friday, I got Stanford women's soccer opener against Pepperdine, and then the Stanford softball season opener against uh, Saint San Jose State on Friday, a doubleheader on Saturday, and then Santa Clara to close it out on Sunday. So busy times ahead as everybody ramps up, and it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. If you're not familiar with the show, well, now is a good time to do so. We've been covering Stanford sports. We've been doing this since 2015. Uh, overall, we joined the Believe Podcast Network about a year ago, posted our first episode on, I uh, believe, uh, on March 9th of last year. And it's it's been a lot of fun uh, as we bring you uh, uh, the best guests out there. We're trying to take you inside Stanford Athletics and kind of try to take you behind the tent as much as we possibly can. So uh, get familiar with the show, make it a habit, subscribe, rate, and review the program via your favorite listening app. We got you covered no matter which way you want to go. Three things you need to know around Stanford Athletics coming up in just a moment. But first, this reminder, football is over. But the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are all in full swing. And the only place you should be betting on those sports is at betonline.ag. And BetOnline even covers award shows, TV shows, and reality TV. BetOnline has hundreds of prop bets 
with uh, real-time odds on almost anything you can imagine. And of course, don't forget the 24-hour online casino. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's betonline.ag. BetOnline, your sportsbook experts. Three things you need to know around Stanford Athletics right now. Let's begin with number one. And let's get you up to speed on what's happening on the basketball side for the Cardinal. The men's side first. Stanford and Seattle to face the Huskies on Thursday evening. Boy, UW's just falling off the map this year. They're only 4-16. and 16. Stanford's looking for a sweep of the Huskies. They beat uh, Washington in Santa Cruz on January 7th. That was a 91-75 final. Zaire Williams back after missing six games due to a family matter. He's come off the bench uh, in the last couple of games. Dejon Davis returned versus Utah after missing seven games with a leg injury. And Bryce Wills missed nine games with injury. He returned against Cal back on uh, February the 7th. So Stanford's getting its big pieces back. Cardinal 13-8 on the season, and they need to start getting some quality wins. That uh, that loss to Colorado last week, certainly not ideal. Next chance for a quality win for Stanford is on Monday at USC to finish out this three-game road trip, which sees the Cardinal in Seattle on Thursday, and then Washington State to finish out the weekend, and then they head down to Los Angeles uh, to close out the road trip that game on Monday. And they're going to need to get a win there, I think, to really help their chances of getting in the big dance. But first, they need to beat the Washington schools this week. And you might remember Casey Jacobson, the former Stanford uh, men's basketball great, joined us on the last TreeCast, and he told us that that Williams, as Williams and Wills and Davis get worked back in with Oscar Da Silva and the crew, you might remember he said it could be clunky or it could be awesome. Little clunky against Colorado, better against Utah. Let's see if Stanford can put it together on the road. Meanwhile, on the women's side, Stanford with a nice win at number 13, Oregon, on Monday. That was a 63-61 final. My buddy Ray texted me after that game was over. He said, survive and advance. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's usually what this is about, especially on the road. Keanu Williams is the key, as usual, 20 points. But freshman Cameron Brink, boy, has she been coming up the past few weeks or so. 16 points, 9 boards against the Ducks. Man, she she brings it on both ends of the floor. Cardinal host Arizona State on Friday and a very dangerous Arizona squad on Monday. Although Stanford did beat the Wildcats by 27 down in Tucson last month, but, but I've still had this game circled for quite a long time. Men's and women's sides both in a mad rush to get all Pac-12 conference games in before conference tournaments in March, which is coming up closer and quicker than we might think. Let's get to number two. Now Stanford Athletics is doing something really cool next week. It's hosting Cardinal W Week. That's five days of free virtual events celebrating women's sports on the farm. Some of those events include a Cardinal Coaches Roundtable moderated by Condoleezza Rice, the former Secretary of State, and featuring Stanford women's gymnastics coach Tabitha Yim and the one and only Tara Vanderveer. That's that's worth the price of admission by itself. Oh, the price of admission is free? Oh, okay. All right. That's even better. It's also going to uh, feature a women's basketball discussion hosted by Cheney and Neka Ogumike. They'll be joined by several current players. And also a soccer dialogue and roundtable with Cardinal all-time great Andy Sunshine Sullivan. Good to see uh, Sully back in the mix. 
Cardinal W Week starts on Monday, February 22nd and runs through the entire week. And you can register and get more information at GoStanford.com. Uh, what's that uh, Jacob Rayburn of uh, CardinalSportsReport.com said when he joined us on the show last year? And I asked him to kind of kind of sum up the 2019-2020 season. His response, all hail women's sports at Stanford. Indeed. Indeed. Let's wrap this up with number three. And it's one of my favorite days of the year, Stanford Football Pro Day. And, and the Cardinals scheduled to have their Pro Day on March the 18th. But there's no guarantee that it will happen on the farm this year. Eric Edholm of Yahoo Sports reporting on Tuesday that in case local COVID-19 regulations aren't conducive to having Stanford's NFL draft prospects, and, and there are many this year, working out for scouts and teams, Stanford football has a couple of backup plans. One would be to head up to Berkeley and join Cal's Pro Day. That would that would appear to be the leading option for Plan B at this point. I, I wonder if they I wonder if they still have the uh, the RX cards up in the in the stands at the football stadium. I, I somehow I don't think they do anymore. I'm pretty sure they they took those down pretty quickly right after big game. At home reports that if Cal isn't an option somehow, Stanford could have its prospects work out in Fort Worth at TCU's Pro Day on March the 19th, the day after Stanford is scheduled to have its Pro Day as of right now. Now, this is this is one of the highest quality crops of draft prospects Stanford has had in a while. They've had fantastic individual players over the last few years. Uh, Andrew Luck, clearly, Christian McCaffrey, uh, Bryce Love, uh, Harrison Phillips, and Solomon Thomas. There have been some very nice quality crops of draft prospects and and even though I don't think there's that one huge player out there this year there are a lot of very good ones Simi Fajoko, Walker Little, Paulson Adebo, quarterback Davis Mills, Drew Dahlman as well so this is going to be a very intriguing crop of NFL draft prospects to watch. While COVID-19 trends have taken a turn for the better thank goodness will those trends still be good enough to allow Stanford to have its pro day on campus? Time and the virus will tell. In other news, mask up, folks. Those are three things. We will speak with Stanford softball great and current ESPN broadcaster Jessica Mendoza coming up in just a moment. But before we do that, this bit of business, a brief moment to talk about our newest sponsor, eBay. Yeah, that's right. Those folks are on board with the TreeCast. Whether it's rare dead stock or the latest release, you can find the exact shoe that you're looking for. As the original sneaker marketplace, eBay is the place to go to cop the pair that you've been eyeing. You've got eBay's authenticity guarantee that says your sneakers are meticulously inspected by independent professional authenticators. And for sneaker sellers out there, eBay has eliminated selling fees on sneakers over 100 bucks, and that makes it free to sell or flip your collection. Go to ebay.com slash sneakers today. eBay, the world's best destination for discovering great value and unique selection. Well, for some folks, probably one of the best sentences in the English language Pitchers and catchers report. Yes, we are seeing that. Major League Baseball, it's happening this week. A's and Giants reported on Wednesday. College baseball begins this week. College softball started up last week. Why not check in with someone who can speak 
to pretty much all of those worlds with equal proficiency. Well, I've got the perfect special guest for that this week. She was a four-time first-team All-American during her time with Stanford softball, including the 2000 Pac-10 Player of the Year, led Stanford to its first Women's College World Series in my hometown, Oklahoma City, back in 2001. Two-time Olympic medalist took gold in Athens, and currently you see her on ESPN as a Major League Baseball and softball analyst. A pleasure to have in on the show, the one and only Jessica Mendoza. Jessica, thanks a bunch. Appreciate the time. How are you doing today? I'm doing awesome. I mean, talk about an intro, though. I mean, you've got like the, oh, all of it. Like, <laughs> There's a lot to get to. <laughs> But thank you so much for uh, jumping on the show here uh, with us this weekend. And and let's start here. You know, I'd imagine that, you know, mid-February, even the weather has been terrible across the country. You know, normally it is during this time of year. But, you know, I'd imagine even during the normal mid-February, you've got a little extra spring in your step because this is when baseball starts. You're starting to compete in softball and all those sorts of things. Given what we've all been going through as a country over the past 11 months in particular, what does this particular mid-February and this particular spring mean to you? I mean, we're all, you feel like we're coming out of the cloud that was 2020. And even though the year began, we kind of hoped January 1st was like, okay, COVID's behind us. Everything's going to be different. Um, you know, the, we're just not there yet, but it seems now in mid-February, it's like we can see the light at the end of the tunnel. And I think it helps to know that, you know, spring sports are back, they're happening. I mean, I just, with anticipation last weekend for softball to open up, um, called softball around the country, there was a part of me that just kept thinking, well, maybe it won't. And of course, there was some tournaments that were canceled, as you mentioned, because of weather, but to actually see softball being played on the field, um, to know the pitchers and catchers are officially have reported to spring training, it's happening, they're there. And that college baseball is kicking off this weekend. It just is, you know, not having these spring sports, um, being able to crown a champion. And then obviously with Major League Baseball not being able to come until almost the, the end of the summer. Um, it's just nice to know that it, it looks like this year will, will be better. Yeah, let's hope that everyone gets to the finish line as well as to the starting line too. And obviously a lot of unfinished business in particular for softball especially for Stanford. And I think a lot of folks were excited about what the Cardinal were able to do when they were able to play in the 2020 season, maybe showed some things initially that they unfortunately weren't able to finish and get into Pac-12, uh, Pac-12 season. What excites you most about the upcoming season ahead for Stanford softball? Yeah, I think exactly what you mentioned. And this is a team that has a lot to prove. They've, they've struggled for a while. And I think, you know, Jessica Alster and Tori Nyberg coming in a few years ago and really just changing a lot of the mindset and getting back to what Stanford softball was, especially within a conference that is so difficult, has the reigning champions in UCLA, but no fear. I mean, that's probably what I see the most is a team that can beat anybody on any given day. And something that, you know, was hard for a while is I felt like there was this mentality you know, we're talking four or five, six years ago where, you know, there was a, a almost a comfort of like, okay, this is, this is who we are. You know, we're a team that's going to be like middle of the pack, you know, beat some, play some good games, not, you know, some great games, make it to the postseason, we're good. And there is a mission that I sense from this team 
you know, especially the upperclassmen um, within Stanford, they, they want to get to Oklahoma City. They want to get to your hometown, Troy. <laughs> <laughs> Oklahoma City, a great place to be. And that's such a fantastic event. Um, and of course, it's, uh, it's, it's the mecca of softball um, in, in the country. And I, I guess if you want to pick a power conference, Pac-12 is where it's at, and they're absolutely loaded once again. One, two, three in the preseason coaches' polls with UCLA and Washington and Arizona, and rightfully so. Stanford got votes. They'd be number 28 in the preseason coaches' poll if it went down uh, quite that far. You've been through the gauntlet. It's still a gauntlet now. For those who are unaware, how would you describe what life is like in Pac-12 softball? It's, I mean, it. I loved it just because you knew you were always playing the best and it kind of just gave you an idea of where you were at personally as an athlete. Like if you can hit, you know, Pac-12, if you can hit Rachel Garcia at UCLA, like, you know, that you can beat anybody, but there's also the grind, <laughs> like the reality. I do think that puts a lot of importance on these preseason tournaments on everything that happens before season. It's kind of a nice time to be able to gel as a team, kind of get out the things that you need to work on, um, and then you enter into the regular season that's your conference and as much as it is like hard I always loved it because I knew we were going to be the most prepared heading into the postseason and to me that's why you play you play to win championships I know some people play to win to have fun <laughs> I felt like I, I have fun when you win and you are able to to be your best right and the perfect thing about the Pac-12 conference is that it, it tests you by you're playing the best every single weekend you're up against it and I, personally I don't need to run rule and beat somebody 15 to nothing and feel good about myself I want to be neck and neck one zero two to one find out what this team's about when your back's against the wall that it might be exhausting but that's what you sign up for it's funny you mentioned fun and it's one of the things that I've really come to love and appreciate about calling softball games, both with the Pac-12 Network and, and, and doing Little League Softball World Series pool play as well. You know, it seems like in softball, as a player, you're actually allowed to have fun. <laughs> is, is, is that me? I mean, am I, am I correct in that sense? It just kind of seems that way. That's probably the biggest thing that people notice when they're watching the Women's Called World Series is, you know, um, just the amount of, there's the cheering, which you, you, you just hear more, right? Like mm -hmm. softball, you're going to get more, whether it's the choreographed cheers where everyone's like in sync, doing the same thing, dance moves, all of that. But it's, it's just the fact that I feel like there's something about being your sister, playing with your sisters, like this bond that isn't hidden. And it could be just a female male thing. Like, you know, uh, the guys look like they have fun too playing baseball, but I think there's always this like, well, let's not cross it too far. We don't want to be too excited. We don't, you know, whereas women, like we're going to show how we feel like this is, you know, if we're, we're mad, like you're going to see it. If we're fist pumping and excited, like you're going to feel it. And if we're heartbroken, you're going to see that too. And I think that's important. I mean, that's to me, like as much as you want to be stoic, I guess, with certain moments, I think there's a time and place where emotions need to settle down and you just perform. There's also something really special when you can see 18 to 22 women together in their drive for what they want to accomplish. 
Yeah, it just kind of seems like, you know, in softball, someone that hits a home run, the whole team is out there at home plate to green. Totally. And meanwhile, if you do that in baseball, next batter's getting thrown at. Throw just, that. It just seems like an interesting dichotomy, but it's one of the things I love about uh, working softball games. Uh, you mentioned Jessica Allister earlier. Uh, Allister, obviously uh, one of your teammates for the latter half of, of your career on the farm. And now she's running the show at Stanford. Results have been pretty good to this point. What sort of things can you tell us about what you noticed about Jessica Allister back then during her playing days that suit her quite well for, for the task she has now? Well, what am I allowed to share? No, <laughs> <laughs> no, she, I mean, she was a catcher and I think that speaks to a lot of, you know, I was a catcher in high school. And so just understanding that position you have, you know, your relationship with the pitcher and, you know, just understanding that, you know, calling signs, you know, pitches, but you also are choreographing pretty much the defense. You have the best view in the stadium. You can see where the batter is in their batter's box. You can understand if she's late, if she's early, just being able to read and understand your team. And you're doing it from the view that is the, the best um, to be able to understand it all. And Al was always, I, called her Al, sorry, back when, when we played together, because I was Jessica, we had three Jessicas. We had Jessica Dremel, we had Jessica Alistair, we had Jessica Mendoza. So I was Doze, she was Al, and Jessica Dremel was Dre. So we had Dre, Al, and Doze. No one was Jessica. <laughs> um, so Al was always just an understanding of the game. And it doesn't surprise me at all that she's coaching, because when I say the game, it's also the personnel, like the people that are participating. And that I would say now more than ever is so huge is understanding the psyche of each individual player and not cookie cutting a system. Hey, this is what works. All of you will be my robots and will perform to this standard, but actually understanding the variance of bodies, personalities, you know, talents within a team and getting the most out of each one. And that's, I mean, that is a job and a half it is something that I would personally not sign up for. But Alistair was doing that when she played. I mean, she was doing that because of her position at catcher, but also for just her understanding of people. What drew you to Stanford? It was hard. Like I loved that. I mean, not hard. It was, it was going to be a challenge. And what drew me, I actually, you know, UCLA was the top school I always wanted to go to because I lived down there. And it wasn't until I went on my recruiting trip to Stanford and was blown away by the academics. Other schools I visited bragged about the fact that if you were an athlete, you could actually literally, you majored in like one of two things. You had athlete classes that you were almost guaranteed to pass as long as you somewhat went to them. And this is what they tell you on your recruiting trip. Like, no, thank you. <laughs> like I'm not, in my opinion, like I'm gonna take with me the rest of my life, my degree. I'm not gonna walk into an interview and be like, hey, so I hit 300 on the softball team. You're gonna hire me. Like. That's not what cuts it. And so I wanted to go somewhere where I was going to learn, where I was going to be challenged, where, to be honest, it was going to be hard. And my recruiting trip at Stanford, I was just blown away by the students. And yes, the athletes, you, to be honest, you couldn't really tell who they were. And that's what I wanted. I did not want to live in my own special dedicated athlete area with my own special athlete classes, eating my athlete food. <laughs> like I wanted to be embedded with the amazing people that are at Stanford. And once I got to meet them and really understand what that meant, I knew there was no one, no, nowhere else that I was gonna go. 
hey, athlete food seems to have gotten a lot better these days <laughs> for, for, for whatever it's worth. Uh, kind of along those lines, uh, during your four years at the farm, how did you get better both on and off the field? Yeah, I, I mean, I grew. Um, I grew up, you know, personally. I grew physically. Um, I started Stanford when I was 17, so I was on the younger end of being a freshman. And, you know, I just really, you know, I was actually just on a thing earlier today talking about, I was giving advice to a high school um, player that was asking like, what, you know, what do I look for, you know, being a college athlete? And I said, buckle up <laughs> because not only is it the ride of your life, but it's the beginning of really who you are. You know, you're going to grow up more. At least I felt like I grew up in more of my four years, five, because I co-termed, but my five years on the farm, um, just learning how to like manage everything, you know, how to, you know, silly things from like laundry and, you know, figuring out where I need to be, you know, balancing my checkbook. I mean, it sounds so like I'm so old by just saying that I feel like, but <laughs> things that, you know, I never had to do before. And then also, you know, really being challenged with not maybe understanding a certain subject and having to get help or, you know, realizing, okay, um, this is going to be a little more difficult and I'm going to have to just admit that I'm not as good at this and go and try to get better. Um, physically, you know, just dealing with my body growing and getting stronger and what that feels like and how it hurts sometimes and, you know, all those, all those things. And then you graduate and I feel like you've formed into the person you're going to take with you the rest of your life. So it's almost like Clark Kent turning in to Superman, like you're like you go into this phone booth or whatever. I'm probably like mixing like five million different superheroes <laughs> into one, but I have two boys, so I, they'd be so disappointed if I'm messing this up. But so you go into like your phone booth or whatever, and that's college. Like you go and you transform. You come in one person and you leave really who you're ultimately going to be. Well, you certainly made your share of superhero plays. You, you got to tell me about that catch against Cal in the 2001 uh, Women's College World Series. What do you remember about that one? You know, it's so cool, Troy, because I never got to see that until they replayed them this last year. Like, I never got to see what that looked like. I only knew what it felt like. And it just, I, I can remember it like it was yesterday just because it, it seemed like a ball that I wasn't going to catch. And it's one of those, like, off the bat, you just have to, like, there's no way this ball's dropping. There's no, and I was mad because it was like a missed hit. And those are the ones, like, if you get all, like, if I got to catch a ball over my head and I miss it, like, I'm not happy, but it's like, I look at my picture. I'm like, dude, she crushed you. So that's going to happen. <laughs> but if you jam her, if you get in on her hands or off the end of the bat, you've done your job, but then here comes this blooper. Like I'm mad as an outfielder. So I'm on a freaking mission to make sure that I'm going to get this out. And so to do that in a big game, no one likes Berkeley. So like just icing on the cake, it was, it was awesome. And it ended the inning. And I just, I remember thinking like, gosh, I, I want to, like remember this, like, you know, forever. Like I can catch anything, you know, just that confidence that you feel. <laughs> and still stands as one of the all time great plays in uh, Stanford softball history. Um, Olympics were supposed to happen last summer. Uh, they're gonna give it a, another go here this summer in Tokyo and uh, try to get the games in. And baseball and softball in particular, finally back. Why they took them off the roster is just beyond me. It's a big deal to you for obvious reasons, having been to two Olympics and won and taking gold in Athens. What does it mean to you to have softball back as an Olympic sport? 
well, it's, it's kind of beautiful that not only is it back, but it's in Japan. So the last Olympics I was in was the last time softball was in the Olympics in China. We lost the gold medal game to Japan. Um, the first time I think actually that Japan ever won a gold medal in a women's team sport was in that 2000 Olympics, 2008 Olympics. So it was, it was pretty special. But the fact that it's all coming full circle, <laughs> like softball is returning. I'm hopefully going to be there um, from the TV side covering it. I, I just, I, I feel like it's something that the sport should have never left, but it, it's this perfect storm of it being back to the country that won it last and the U.S. having a chance to, to win that gold back. That should be a lot of fun to watch if it all comes to fruition this upcoming summer. Uh, you had an all-time great collegiate career, transcendent post-playing uh, post -playing career. What do you make? Oh, and by the way, as you mentioned, you co-termed as well. You have your master's in uh, social sciences and education. Uh, what do you make of your incredible and transcendent road since the farm? I, you know, it's crazy because it's, it feels like different lifetimes. You know, you graduate and, you know, I was, I was still playing forever. It's like another 10 years after I graduated. Um, but I never, I mean, my plan was to get involved in politics, to work on educational reform, you know, like all of us going to Stanford, we think we have it all planned out. And, you know, I never in a million years would have thought I'd end up in television. And mostly just because I, you know, I didn't have a background in that. Um, there wasn't at the time, you know, a lot of women's sports on television, let alone women commentators. So it just wasn't on your radar. And, you know, now, <laughs> loving what I do and just being involved in this tie. It just, I never, it's amazing when you graduate, you think you know your path. And like, it was so good at told me when I was graduating, what I'd be doing now. It's, it's, it's mind blowing to think how different. And I, I would say that for so many people that graduate or are at Stanford, there's such a pressure to, to kind of know who you're going to be and what you're going to do. Mm -hmm. And I think that's fine, like to have goals and be like, this is what I want to do, but just keep an open mind to even the things that seem completely off your radar, because you never know what actually is going to fit for you. And now you're at ESPN, as mentioned, Major League Baseball analyst, softball analyst as well, calling the games so much fun. I've seen you and my man Dave Fleming working together. Got to <laughs> keep that guy in line sometimes. Yeah. Uh, you know, what are some of the biggest misconceptions that that people have about the folks who call games on TV? Um, just the non-understanding of the difference of play-by-play -play and analyst. Um, a lot of, it's just, you know, I guess I, I probably never knew. I mean, I grew up with Vince Scully and he did both. So like, you, you know, I never, I probably never knew the difference until I started getting involved. Um, but just understanding, first of all, the play-by-play -play is the quarterback. I mean, they're, they're doing the what, you know, the, the, everything that you're seeing on the field, they're in charge of having to, to call. Um, and so really like the play-by-play -play is everything. They're the ones that, that, that tell you all the, the nuts and bolts of, of what you're trying to see. And then the analyst's job is to come in. They're usually an ex-player, but not always. And to, to really give the why and the how to add the color of, you know, okay, it's a three, two count. They just showed bunt. The analyst job would be, and I mean, well, they're showing bunt here because, you know, even though there's, you know, one out, they're trying to do this based on the defense, they're explaining the how and the why. And I, I just, I, I think if you can really listen to a game, any kind of football, 
whether it's Joe Buck and Troy Aikman and understand Joe Buck's role versus Aikman's, that Aikman would never be the one calling the, the players and the, <laughs> thank goodness, <laughs> the plays that are happening. But his job is to tell you why it's happening. Um, and, and Joe Buck is there to, to really give you the, you know, the facts and, and what's happening. Now, there's also a difference between radio and TV play-by-play -play oh, as well. And that's a whole, whole different conversation. Yeah. Uh, as we wrap this up, here we are, pitchers and catchers reporting, spring training uh, just around the corner. And uh, Major League Baseball regular season also set to begin um, as, as well. Some snapshot Major League Baseball thoughts. What are a couple things that are top of mind for you as uh, we start to get into the season? I'm excited about the West Coast, and I know I'm biased, but like we give so much love, you know, to the Yankees. Let's see, you know, where the AL East is headed, and the um, the NL East with you know the Braves and the Mets and new owner. It's like I don't know. I'm always inundated with the East Coast. I do feel bad for the Central because I feel like they're lot left off everyone's radar all the time. Um, being West Coast girl, West Coast living. You know, I, I look at obviously the defending champs that are in the NL West with the Dodgers, the Padres. Oh my goodness. You talk mm -hmm. about making some noise mm -hmm. this off season, going and getting the pitching that they got, you know, excited to see you Darvish in a, in a Padres uniform and, and really see the West get a, a, you know, battle it out. But of course, Trevor Bauer signing with the Dodgers also, they're not planning to go away. They want to make a run here. And especially with the, what they have, the players that they have left before they're gone. I mean, you think they got another two, three more years, um, even with the legacy of Clayton Kershaw and what the Dodgers can still do. But finally, there's another team in that division that I think will really challenge them in the Padres. And then you flip it over to the West and, you know, I think the Astros, it's finally changing the change of the guard. You know, it's been the Astros division. The A's did win it, did win it last year, but the shortened season. Um, I feel like the A's as always are trying to balance what they can financially afford. They lost Marcus Simeon, they lost their closer. Um, but the angels are the team that I'm kind of circling out in a weaker division in the AL West. But I think it, it could be a changing of the guard where it's not the Astros division to win anymore, but it actually is a division that I think the angels can swoop in and, and win. Yeah, never easy being an A's fan. I can speak for that myself, but uh, let's see how things go um, in that respect. And thanks for showing some love to the West Coast. Always appreciate right? that because we need all the love we can get on this side of the planet. <laughs> oh, yes. Well, and honestly, the eight, I mean, over the White, the White Sox were a better team in that wild card series, by the yeah. way. And yeah. I, I called those games and mm -hmm. to see Oakland manipulate use. I mean, Liam Hendricks, it was sad that they couldn't afford to bring him back. But I understand just because he was such a beast in that series um, to really just beat a team that was better than them, which as hard as, as it is to be an A's fan, I can see that. But it's so cool to see what they can do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They have. <laughs> yeah. They've made a lot of uh, great moments over the years uh, with whole not with not a whole lot of resources. So there's hope. There's always yeah. hope for baseball this time <laughs> of year. Hope. Looking forward to uh, watching plenty of her in the months ahead, coming to a softball diamond and a baseball diamond near you, Jessica Mendoza, one of the all-time GOATs. Stanford Athletics. Jessica, thanks a bunch. Appreciate the time. Enjoy the chat. Stay healthy, stay sane, and we'll talk again soon. Thank you, Troy. Go Cards.
Go Cardinal indeed. That is our guest, our special guest for the TreeCast this week, Jessica Mendoza. I've been looking forward to, to having that conversation with her. Really looking forward to seeing what Stanford softball can do this year. As, as Jessica says, hey, those young ladies are on a mission this year. A lot of unfinished business. Played just 26 games last year. Did well, 22-4, and four, but obviously did not get a chance to uh, show what they could do against a uh, Pac-12 competition, which is always a gauntlet. But those young ladies are on a mission. Uh, a lot of a lot of the firepower that was on this team last year coming back, including a couple of grad students as well. Tegan Cowles coming back for her for her grad student year. Uh, Christina Inouye uh, coming back as well. Uh, Maddie Dwyer in the circle. So. And a few of the youngsters that are coming up as well. So uh, there's a lot that Stanford can throw at you uh, from from the softball standpoint. Now, they were picked to finish sixth in the Pac-12 this year. But I think a little bit more of that is a function of just how tough and how difficult and how loaded the Pac-12 is. And, and I'm telling you right now, I've really enjoyed covering and calling softball games up and down the Pac-12 network over the past few years. If there's one one team that you really have to drop everything and watch if you can, it's UCLA. My God, that is a team of superstars and led clearly by Rachel Garcia. Man, and when she takes the field, there's just an aura. I I hinted at this with, 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 with Jessica. There's just an aura around her when, when she's on the field. You know it. That's a GOAT, which is ironic because Lisa Fernandez, arguably the greatest of all time in softball, is an assistant coach. <laughs> so it's, it's amazing to see the juxtaposition of one of the greats of all time, certainly the very best of her generation in Lisa Fernandez, and probably the best of her generation right now in Rachel Garcia. Look, this is a Stanford podcast, but look, we tip our cap whenever it's due. UCLA softball is the show. But Stanford softball is going to be pretty tough to beat, I would think, as well. So it all begins for the Cardinal this Friday at uh, Boyd and Jill Smith Family Stadium as uh, Stanford hosts San Jose State on Friday evening and then hosts a doubleheader against the Spartans on Saturday and wraps up the weekend by uh, squaring off against the Santa Clara Broncos on Sunday. Looking forward to being on the call of those live streams for that our thanks again to Jessica Mendoza for uh, for joining us and uh, and breaking it all down and show a little love to the West Coast that is always appreciated on this show. You know what else is always appreciated on this show? Your subscription to the program. It's free. It's free. And you don't have to wait for me to drop something on Twitter for me to remind you that there's a new show up. No, once the, once the show gets posted, boom, it's right there waiting for you whenever you want to listen to it. So uh, subscribe to the show via your favorite listening app, uh, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, um, a few others that I'm, iHeartMedia, iHeartRadio, uh, we're also, uh, also bringing you the show, uh, on, on that listening app as well. Subscribe, even better, rate and review the show. Certainly super appreciative of those uh, who have rated and have reviewed the show and uh, seem to like the program. And uh, certainly thanks to you for doing that. I always appreciate when you make those moves. We are kind of in our irregular posting schedule. And if this was football season, we'd come at you twice a week. Uh, but we're, we've kind of been coming at you irregularly so far 
in the 2021 calendar year. Uh, we'll see how things happen. If, if spring football fires back up, uh, we might go every week. But until then, we might see you next week. We might see the week. We might see you the week after. But I would imagine that we will certainly uh, talk to you next time within the next two weeks, at the very least. I mean, it, it shouldn't. It shouldn't be much longer than that. Heck, it'll be March by then. <laughs> we, we'll have a lot to talk about by then. So until then, thank you for being a part of the show. Thank you to our special guest once again, Jessica Mendoza. Don't drink and drive. If you do, you're the dumbest person on the planet. Mask it or casket. And be kind to everyone out there. And we'll talk to you next time. Thank you for being here with us on the TreeCast with Troy Clarity, presented by the Believe Podcast Network. Yeah.